0: You know, Rob, one of the big stories, of course, surrounding the world of entertainment, movie news, and all that kind of stuff of last year, besides the pandemic, has been the real proliferation of the streaming wars. And we are still in the early, early days. And of course, when you talk about the streaming wars, you're going to be talking a lot about, you know, Netflix. You're going to be talking about Disney Plus. You're going to be talking about Amazon. Apple is, you know, making some strong headway in that area as well. But one of the ones that came out emerging a little bit late in the race is Paramount Plus that has been coming out and it's going to supplant uh what was CBS All Access it's going to be replacing that and Rob in the recent month or so they have been doing some moving and shaking with making some mm. pretty big announcements of some content that they're going to be doing and showing that Paramount is very serious about becoming a major player in this race you know if they can become a major player at this point in this race well anyway a piece of news came out this morning that shows, again, they are very serious about getting into this race. Whether they can or not is another question, but they want to get into this race. As they've announced that this week alone, Paramount Plus is going to be adding a 1,000 movies to their catalog. Over a 1,000 movies to their catalog. Now, some of them are... Obviously, yeah, that one, of course, because Paramount was connected, but some of them are surprising. Let's take a look at a couple of the ones that are coming. In the sense of action-adventure, Terminator, Dark Fate, Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol, Red Dawn, Skyfall, The Avengers. That's interesting to me. How does Disney Plus not have that one locked up yet as an exclusive? Anyway, The Avengers, Gemini Man. Uh, rhythm section comedies like Like a Boss, The Hustle, Valley Girl, What Men Want, Fighting With My Family, which is great, by the way. Fighting With My Family is great. Not a lot of people saw it. You should. It's really, really good. Uh, the Little Hours, The Dictator, I Love You, Man, one of Anne's all-time favorite comedies. Uh, so then you got things like critically acclaimed titles like Rocket Man, Judy, Florence and the Jakins, The Wolf of Wall Street, Revolutionary Road, The Soloist, The Birdcage, Full Monty, Little Women, kids films like Sonic the Hedgehog, Adam's Family, and others horror like body cam, Saint Maud, Crawl, Child's Play, Gretel and Hansel, Pet Cemetery. That was awful, by the way the the, the modern Pet Cemetery, uh, so on and so forth. So they are clearly getting really serious. Because Rob, you and I often talk about that. The key to the streaming wars is content, content, yep. content, content, content. That's it. And if you don't have it, you're not even in the game. Don't worry about it. Listen, Paramount Plus. Got off to a rocky start with CBS All Access, which did not take off the way they originally wanted it to. They have made moves and adjustments, some of which you and I have both liked very much. So now they're getting a little bit more serious, adding a thousand things. They've got the Mark Wahlberg movie coming out. Of course, things like The Next Mission Impossible will be going to Paramount Plus. A Quiet Place 2 will be going to Paramount Plus once it goes to streaming. So they are making moves. Rob, obviously, in the short term, We're not going to get to this time next year and Paramount will be up there with Disney Plus and Netflix or HBO Max yet. But if they continue like this, can we be talking about Paramount Plus up there like that in two years, in three years? So, Rob, what do you make of this move right now? And with the trajectory they're on, how well do you think Paramount Plus could potentially fare in these streaming wars?
1: Well, obviously, John, I mean, adding a thousand movies to their channel is quite the inducement uh, for subscribers to sign up. And that's really what it what it's all about. I mean, the the thing about these streaming services is that the subscriber base tells them how much money they're making every month. It literally is their their only cash flow, you know, unless they're going to sell ads, which I don't think they are right away. Um, And the more subscribers you get, the more money you make. And that having that guaranteed cash flow In the entertainment business is is pretty a pretty great way to it's a healthy business so i think putting these movies up is absolutely the right move and they have a long long way to go before they become uh anywhere near the 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 same strength or size that hbo max or or disney or netflix i mean they're, they're 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 bringing up the rear john by a substantial margin i think and I think this is only a good thing, and we as as consumers, I mean, a thousand movies—that's a lot of content. I mean, how long would it take you in your lifetime to watch all one thousand of those if you watched one a day? Well, I Many. guess it would take a thousand days, which is it's three years, you know, and that's that's pretty good. Um, so I think what they're doing is obviously something that is meant to gain attention and. And uh, notoriety, and and cause people to uh, plunk down their hard-earned dollars. I think it's a good thing, and we as consumers getting a lot of those movies all in one place. And if especially if we're going to get that Paramount catalog, uh, why not? I yeah. guess it's just one more place I'm going to have to subscribe to now.
0: I I have to admit I've loaded it up a couple times. I subscribe to it, uh, and I like the service. It's good. By the way, they've got a 4.99 a month plan. I mean, so they're coming in aggressively. Now, then they have like a more premium uh, $9.99 a month plan that includes like live streaming of all the various CBS networks and stuff like that, something that like a Netflix or a Disney Plus doesn't really have. So that's a little bit of a unique factor as well. So they're coming out pretty aggressive. It's going to be neat to see how well they do long-term. Question is for you guys. What do you think? of this move by Paramount. First of all, they've made some pretty nice moves recently, adding a whole bunch of films to their catalog. Are you guys already subscribed to Paramount Plus? If not, are you tempted? Or do you just pay no attention to Paramount Plus? Whatever you guys think, jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's do one more off the top, shall we? And that one more off the top is this. Rob, when you talk about the mcu there's always a dozen stories or more you could think about immediately you know right fantastic 4 when are they coming when are they introducing the x men uh you know what's avengers 5 going to be how is eternals going to, i mean there's a lot of different questions you can ask but one of the ones a lot of people ask surrounding the mcu over the last while is what is happening with deadpool What's going on with Deadpool? Now, we've heard a little bit more talk about Deadpool in recent months, as even recently Kevin Feige, when he talked about, you know, can Marvel do R-rated? And Kevin Feige said, nah, we're not really interested in doing R-rated, uh, except for Deadpool 3. You know, he, that's, he threw that out there. That got everybody talking again. We know that Ryan Reynolds months ago talked about being on the Disney lot and having meetings about Deadpool three, they got the writers involved, but really it's been mostly quiet on the storm front until today. Ryan Reynolds, uh, one of my, probably my favorite celebrity today, good Canadian kid, by the way, uh, Ryan Reynolds got on his Instagram stories and he put out a little tease and it's an image he put out with no caption and no description It's simply a picture of him, you know, he's traveling, he's got a packed bag, coffee on the table, but his backpack is open and sitting on the top of his backpack is the Deadpool mask. Again, no caption. He didn't write anything. It was in his Instagram story, so it might've disappeared by now already, but he just decided to tuck that in there and put it out. Now, one thing we know about Ryan Reynolds, first of all, he's a social media ninja Ryan Reynolds is a social media ninja. Maybe even better than Dwayne The Rock Johnson. There is no celebrity right now who is as good on social media as Ryan Reynolds. Whether it's his jabs at his own children, uh, him and his wife Blake Lively often mocking each other and then having a lot of sweet things. His One of the greatest things in social media history, his feud with Hugh Jackman is one of the greatest things on the internet. It's always great and it's always ongoing but Ryan Reynolds never puts things up on social media for no reason. That's the thing. Everything he does on social media is calculated. It's for a purpose. It's for a reason. Now again, emphasizing this, there was no caption this. He didn't he didn't write on this image, "Stay tuned guys, Deadpool 3 news coming soon." He 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 didn't say that. That wasn't part of the the little thing there. But I mean, obviously, he put that up there for a reason. So, Rob, let's jump into the game of speculation here. Speculation. Within, I'm going to guess, three weeks, we are going to get some definitive Deadpool 3 news. I think within three weeks, with Ryan Reynolds putting this, and again, emphasize this, we're speculating. We're speculating. But I really do believe, with Ryan Reynolds posting this, with the fact that we heard Kevin Feige a couple of months ago kind of mention Deadpool 3, basically really affirming, yeah, of course we're going to be doing Deadpool 3. With this down, I'm guessing within three weeks, maybe, maybe even within the week, I think we're about to get some definitive Deadpool news. Rob, number one, what do you think about this image? Is it hey, look, and th- another possibility here, Rob, is that it's just an image for fun. He may I just put that in there just for fun, although that seems unlikely. What do you think about the image and what, if anything, Rob, do you think the image means?
1: Well, John, I mean, like you said, uh, there's no one who trolls people better on the Internet, I think, than Ryan Reynolds. Uh, but he usually doesn't do things that are just out of the blue. There's something going on. I agree with you. I think we're probably going to get Deadpool news probably fairly It's eminent uh, I, because why not? I mean, that that's a franchise that both of those films are sort of beloved they both made a lot of money they both were a lot of fun it seems silly not to make a third one and they're not necessarily tied to the mcu at all that we know of so why not go ahead and 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 make this happen and i i want to see it happen i i really enjoyed both deadpool movies so i would i would expect news i don't know like you said maybe i mean they can't drop a picture like this and not follow up Fairly quickly, you want to build on that momentum, right? I mean, I don't think they'd wait three weeks. I'll bet we'll get it in a week. Yeah. That's what I would. It it raises
0: the question again, though, a question we've been asking now for three and a half years. Ever since they announced that Disney was going to acquire Fox, how is Deadpool going to fit into this? You know, because... You know, even with Kevin Feige's recent comments about, yeah, yeah, we're not doing R-rated films. Ah, we'll make an... Deadpool 3 is the exception, but we're not going to be doing it. Even that sounds like there's a little bit of a separation. So the the question remains and is still floating around and has never been definitively answered. I mean, Bob Iger back in the day kind of hinted at one thing, and then later he kind of hinted at something opposite. And so it's always been up in the air. Where does Deadpool fit in? Is he... Because... Are they going to treat him the way Fox treated him, which worked, by the way, that, yeah, he's sort of in the X-Men universe, but he's really completely separate from the X-Men universe, right? And they even made jokes about that throughout. So what are they going to do with Deadpool here? Is he actually legitimately going to be in the MCU? Like, is he actually going to be adjacent to Black Widow and Hawkeye and War Machine and stuff like that? Or are they going to treat him the way Fox handled him, which was successful, in a way of... Well, he's sort of in the same world, but not really. Like, or is he going to be completely separate, completely engaged? Comple- I, I don't know, Rob. As time has passed now, we've gotten a little bit different perspectives. How do you think right now, Deadpool's going to fit into the MCU, if at all, at this point?
1: I, you know what, I don't think he's going to fit into the MCU yet. Um, or I, I mean, I just, what I'm really curious about is obviously the X-Men exist in Deadpool's world. Colossus is a main character, you know, I mean, a secondary character, but in, and I, I think it would have to be some kind of separate universe. But that said, with the multiverse of madness and all of that, Maybe Deadpool, maybe Ryan Reynolds is going to. This isn't necessarily maybe a Deadpool movie. Maybe this is an appearance in Doctor Strange, and and we're going to see Deadpool ah, ah. pulled in, pulled into the MCU. You know what I mean? Or something along those lines.
0: Wouldn't and, that and be that's funny?
1: What, yeah, I mean, wh- who wouldn't love that? You know that that Deadpool gets pulled into the MCU. And then, then, then it's explained. Then he's I, here.
0: I mean, it, it feels a little, I mean, Doctor Strange has always been treated a little bit more seriously. So it'd feel weird to pull Deadpool through it. But wouldn't it be funny if this picture of Ryan Reynolds packing bags is because with the Deadpool masks is that he's actually going off to some Doctor Strange two reshoots to film a little cameo for it. I mean, that that would be funny. So anyway, I guess the question is for you guys. What do you think? about this image that Ryan Reynolds put out. Maybe you think it means nothing at all, and maybe it doesn't mean anything at all. Maybe it's clearly a little bit of a tease for some upcoming news. Where do you think Deadpool now is going to fit into the MCU overall? Lots of things to talk about. Whatever you guys think, jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's get into our main topics now. How do we select our main topics here on the John Campion Show? It's really simple. You guys come up with our main topics. Whenever you come across a big topic, issue, or story that you think we should cover as a main story here on The John Campion Show, just go anytime, 24-7, over to www.thejohncampionshow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's totally free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campion Show. With that down, Rob, what is our first mm. main topic today?
1: Well, John, this comes to us from Sam Sprill. Greetings, John and Rob. It has been reported that Cruella 2 is in the works at Disney, as they seem to be happy with the performance of the movie in theaters and on Disney+. Plus. While I did love the first movie, I'm not keen on the sequel for now. What are your thoughts? Well, IndieWire tells us, John, that the high audience score on Rotten Tomatoes which currently stands at 97%, and the stellar cinema score for the feature might have swayed things. Cruella was initially slated for a theatrical release before the pandemic caused it to play both theaters and on Disney+. It'll be interesting to see if a sequel is exclusive to one or the other. Well, I think, John, you know, it's academic. Obviously, the the film is doing well in both venues, and people seem to really like it. Um, I watched it. I personally thought it was a little... I'll call it overstuffed maybe. Mm. And I thought it was a little, it was beautifully made and um, uh, I liked it. I didn't love it, but I I thought Emma stone man and Emma Thompson, they were both great. And it was, as I said, it was really lush, beautiful production, but I, it makes sense to me that they're going to do another one. I mean, look, if a movie's successful, why not? Why not make another one? And obviously it is, and audiences love it. And I think that if if Disney, it's probably getting a lot more. I mean, we, we'd we heard that it it didn't get that much viewership on its initial weekend, but I'm sure people have caught up with it and it's doing well now, which is why the decision has been made to greenlight a, a sequel. Makes sense to me. What do you think?
0: I, I think it's interesting because I have heard it is not done actually all that well. Uh, and I hmm. think that's why when we go back to that IndieWire quote you were reading there, where it says, you know, uh, how to say the high audience score on rotten tomatoes, which currently stands at 97 and st- stellar cinema score for the feature might have swayed things. I think, I think that's the key thing there for what they put in there. It's like, uh, well, I mean, it hasn't done great, but the great audience score, the cinema score that may have swung, uh, swung things a bit. I think that's key there. By the way, Erm uh, sends in a super chat badge in live chat. Thanks, man. Um, I think that might swayed things because it hasn't done great, especially Rob, when you consider how expensive this movie was to make.
1: Yeah, it was.
0: They spent a huge amount of money uh, on this movie uh, that has, you know, really shook the cages a bit. It didn't do as well on Disney plus as they were hoping it. Obviously, I, I mean, I don't, I personally don't think a Cruella movie was ever going to do great in cinemas, but it made over $21 million in its opening weekend. So that's nothing to sneeze at, but still, but I think, and I'm speculating here, I think what they're looking at right now is their train of thought is that, look, people are really liking it. It's doing like on that scale, it's doing really well. Word of mouth has been that people are really pleasantly surprised by it. And Rob, that's my category that I'm in because I was not intrigued by it when I saw them play footage at D23. I never Mm. loved any of the trailers. I didn't think this was a great idea for a movie in the first place. I watched it. I think it's quite good. Again, it's not going to be in my top 10 films of the year by the time we get to the end of the year. I don't think it's great, but I thought it was much better than I thought it would be. And you're right. Emma Thompson, Emma Stone, both fantastic in it. They gave great performances and the audiences are responding to it. And I think that's really the key. I personally, Rob, think it's a mistake. I think it's a mistake because look, you got to do, you're going to have to do one of two things. One, you're going to have to assume, which I think is what they're doing. You got to assume that if we make another one, twice as many people are going to come back and see it because we think the word of mouth of the first one is going to be that strong. Or you have to say, okay, let's make part two, but let's cut the budget in half. And I don't see them doing that, not after setting already setting the precedent, but for what Cruella looks like and feels like with that first movie. So that means yeah. they're obviously assuming part two. They're assuming that if we do another one, the word of mouth is so good, it's going to drastically increase the amount of business this one gets. And I just don't see it. Now, of course, Rob, this happens, because just last week, somebody was asking me in a, in a live question, uh, sent in a question, do I think they'll do a Cruella too? And I said, you know, they might, but I really don't think so. I don't think they'll do a Cruella 2 because the, it didn't do great business. And I don't really know where you go with this because ultimately Cruella ends up as a puppy kill, killing person. She's, she, <laughs> she murders and skins puppies. Where do you go with that? So I said, no, I don't think they're going to do Cruella 2. Here we are five days later. Hey, guys, are going to do Cruella 2. So <laughs> I, I think this is a mistake. I think they should take Cruella as a win. Uh, as far as making quality content that people liked in general, understand they had to eat a bit of a financial loss, and now move on and and do something else. So, uh, I I mean I I just I just think it's a bad idea. I honestly do. I think it's a bad idea to do another one. There's, Rob, overall, do do you, do you like this move for them to do another one at this point, or do you think they should just say, hey, take the critical win and move on to something else?
1: Uh well, you know, I, 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 look if people like the movie. And I, I mean I liked I again I, I like Emma Stone. I'd like to see Emma Stone do something other than another Corella movie. But hey, if Emma gotta get paid, you know, so uh, I, I if they like the film and it's successful and apparently audiences really like it, hey, why not why not give them more? But I, I can't help but think, gosh, why not let the creative team make something new and original? Why do they have to do another one right away? But that's the way of the business. <laughs> so All right. Question is
0: for you guys. What did you think about Cruella in general? Again, I, I was pleasantly surprised, but I don't think it's great, but I enjoyed watching it. I don't think they should make another one. What do you guys think about this news? Jump down in the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two. And our second main topic today gets submitted to us by Kevin Finn, who writes... Hey, John and Rob, reviews are starting to flow about Loki, and the overall consensus seems to be extremely positive. I haven't seen one negative review yet. No wonder Feige later promoted Michael Waldron, head writer and showrunner of Loki, to write Doctor Strange 2 and handpick him for the Feige Star Wars film. Have you seen it, and what do you think? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yeah, listen, we were talking about that a little while ago about Waldron about the fact that you know Kevin Feige picked him to write the script for his upcoming Star Wars movie. He wrote Doctor Strange 2. He must really like some of the things we've seen going on in Loki. Now, we cannot give a full review. I cannot personally give a full review of Loki for two reasons. One, I have only seen the first two episodes. Two, there is a review embargo, uh, like an actual review embargo, that doesn't lift until tomorrow morning. So I can't give a full review of it but they did lift the social media embargo so we could give our quick thoughts on it yesterday. And my basic quick thoughts in this, it's fantastic. I, 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 I loved it. I really did. And Rob, again, I was telling you this earlier. It is once again, just as one division was something extremely different from anything we had seen in the MCU before. And then Falcon and Winter Soldier comes out, and it was also significantly different than a lot of things we had seen in the MCU before. Loki is definitely different from anything we've seen in the MCU before. It is, I've seen several people describe it this way, and I love the way they describe it. It is a time-traveling detective mystery. That's what this thing is. But what I loved about the first two episodes, and I talked about this in my initial tweet, was that it gives us a better look inside the mind of Loki that we've ever had before. And you know, Loki is one of my favorite characters in the MCU. I mean, Captain America's, Steve Rogers' Captain America is my favorite character in the MCU. But that notwithstanding, Loki's always been one of my favorites because there's different layers to him. His motivations are complex. He's a really interesting character. I've always loved the character, and Tom Hiddleston plays him great. So I've always loved that. So I was not surprised when other initial reactions started to come out and they were all looking really positive too. Here's just a couple of them. Uh, The Observer writes, Loki is very much a screwball detective story that happens to feature time travel while teeing up MCU's new focus on multiversal elements. It's almost a slanted whodunit Uh, With a shit-eating grin, I really enjoyed it thus far. Then our friend Eric Davis or Fandango, right? And I love the way he describes it. Eric Davis describes it as, It's a time-traveling detective show, which is what I was just mentioning a little bit earlier. It's a time-traveling detective show that's laying groundwork for the MCU multiverse while also being about identity and confronting ugly truths about ourselves. Uh, Also, uh, Complex writes, the connect the connective the connectivity of this show is evident and fans will appreciate every detail marvel has found a way to expand the mcu and do so in such a clever and unique way and again that comes to us from complex and there are others that go on. Uh, lots of exposition and sit-down convos, right? Screen rant. Less narrative momentum. Leans heavily on MCU lore and has an exciting world built on top of that. Very uh, very first act of a six-hour movie. Hope it delivers on that setup. And yeah, that's what I believe as well. Huge setup to go into. Rob, basically speaking, it's... and I, Look, I'll say this, and we'll talk a little bit more in th- depth about the first two episodes of Loki tomorrow, but... The one group of people I don't know if they will love Loki or not, like a lot of us who have already seen the first two episodes do, is the same group of people who maybe watched the first trailer for The Eternals and weren't all that taken with it because it didn't have lots of explosions and exhibitions of superpowers and blah, blah, blah. And there are people that that's what kind of really attracts them to the comic book genre. And if that's missing, then they kind of, it doesn't really work for them. And that's totally fair. And I think if somebody's just going into Loki, looking for superpower explosions and big dynamic battles and blah, 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 which may or may not be coming in the later episodes. If that's all they're looking for in Loki, which is fair, they might walk away from it. Disappointed. I don't know that for sure. Maybe all I know is that I was enthralled with this. I mean, it starts off with, the, the the first episode starts with where we found him in Avengers Endgame, and then it picks up right from there, and it just carries wow. on from that moment that he picks up the Tesseract, and that's where this, this show starts from, uh, and I thought it was wonderful. I had, uh, you know, a couple of us were sitting down and watching it, and we were smiling and grinning and laughing and chuckling and just going, whoa, like the whole way through, and uh, very enjoyable to me. But anyway, Rob, you've been reading a lot of these reactions. Do they kind of line up with where your expectations have been, and what are you looking for in this Loki series?
1: Yeah, well, I, I have been very excited uh, for this show, especially bringing in the TVA, the Time Variance Authority, and the Timekeepers, and whatever the hell they're going to do. Uh, it looked to me like this show is really uh, reaching for the stars in terms of world building and, really adding huge layers to the Marvel Universe that I, I I was like, at first I'm thinking, my God, this is wildly ambitious because it makes me think of when uh, Marvel first started, John, I was wondering after seeing Iron Man, like how are they going to bring in Thor and Captain America and make you believe that they could exist in the same universe as the original Iron Man, which is a fairly... You know, it's really the story of one man confronting himself, and uh, it wasn't world-destroying or apocalyptic, and yet they were able to do it. I mean, watching what they did with Thor and Captain America, they just expanded the universe. So with this, to me, adding the time variance authority and all that, if they did what they did in the comics, thats it, it's a huge leap of wackiness that they're adding to the Marvel universe. And I'm like, is this going to work? Well, apparently, after hearing what you said, by the way, you're quoted in the Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, there's a news roundup about Loki, and they quote you oh, wow. um, okay. from yesterday. And I, uh, I'm i really excited. I mean, this looks like heady. I love sci-fi time travel stories, so we're going to get that. And then an examination of the character Loki himself. Tom Hiddleston is obviously great in the role. And now he's, bef- b- the first time, front and center. And I'm I'm deliriously excited for this show, John, and everything I've read and heard and even what you've said uh, makes me even more excited for it. So I I am hugely anticipating this series.
0: Yeah, and again, it's like it's not what I was expecting. It's different from anything we've seen in the MCU before, and I really enjoyed it. I think a lot of you are too. Now, from what I understand, I saw uh, somebody asking in the live chat, Um, does that mean they're dropping the first two episodes tomorrow or, or Wednesday? As far as I know, no, they're not. They are going to drop episode one this week. Then they will drop episode two next week. The bad news for me, Rob means I don't get to see I don't get to see a new episode of Loki for 3 weeks. <laughs> I got to wait until episode 3 comes out to to see it. You guys will see it then. But this has been the kind of standard operating procedure for a lot of these things. When Disney has a new show coming out, when Disney Plus has a new show coming out, they generally send us the first 2 episodes. So they usually send at least they have for Falcon and Winter Soldier and for WandaVision. So they've done it again for Loki, uh, but they still just release one episode per week. So you guys will see episode 1 this week then episode 2 next week. As far as the um as far as the runtime goes, I was very pleasantly surprised, Rob, to see that both the runtimes of both the first two episodes were over 50 minutes long. Oh, wow, okay. And and I don't think I mean the the post the credits on WandaVision and on Falcon and Winter Soldier were always exorbitantly long. I don't think the credits are nearly as long on uh, the Loki show. I, at least I I didn't look it up, but at least it felt like those credits were shorter than they were because we would look up Falcon, winter soldier, you know, 45 minutes. Great. But then you realize that the credits were literally seven minutes long. (laughs) And so that took out the show. I didn't feel like that was the case here. So the episodes are pretty long, uh, which was great to see. I think it's really good. We'll talk about it a little bit more in depth, uh, tomorrow, but yeah, Loki is looking really good. Question is for you guys. What have you been hearing? about the first couple of episodes of Loki. Are you looking forward to it? Maybe you weren't all that interested in this show. It's like, eh, an MCU show about a villain who's died seven times already. I mean, really? Maybe you're feeling that. Whatever you guys are thinking, jump on down to the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down... Let's now move on and start taking your live comments and questions. You guys have been sending them. Once again, if you want to send in a live comment or question, to be read on the show. If it's appropriate for the show, simply use the tip link down in the description of this video. Or you can enter it manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. Again, you'll be getting your comment or question right here on the show or an upcoming companion video if it's appropriate for the show. And, of course, you'll be supporting the channel at the same time. And, by the way, a little bit of a heads up for you guys. uh, Me and Kimberly Kern will be doing a companion video a little bit later today. So you're going to see a big companion video later. So if you don't hear your comment or question read on today's show, you'll probably hear it answered on the companion video a little bit later. All right. That down. Let's get into these live comments and questions you guys have been sending in, shall we? And we're going to get things started off here with Chuck the Mystery, who writes, one of two. John, when you and Rob were talking about the depictions of Alan Quartermain the other day, I was reminded that quite some time ago, Sam Worthington was attached to a project featuring the character and it never materialized. Uh, Ever heard anything on that? Also, you mentioned having worked on League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, a film which I actually quite liked. Uh, Can you talk a bit about your experience on that film and whether you guys think we could see Alan Quartermain on film again? Thanks. All right, so first of all, I am not, I don't remember a Sam Worthington, Alan Quartermain film. I mean, maybe I even talked about it a few years ago, but I just don't remember it. So as far as I know, nothing on that ever materialized and nothing on that ever moved forward, as far as I know. So as far as I know, that's dead. Uh, Yeah, Lead of Extraordinary Gentlemen was one of the films, because I used to work with a CGI and and, uh, 3D animation company. And one of the big films that we worked on was Sean Connery's League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. An awful movie, uh, but that had a lot of potential and promise. But it's all subjective, Chuck. And if you liked it, that's awesome. The shot that we, the shots that we worked on specifically, were the shots of the Invisible Man when he was on fire. So there's a couple of shots in there, and and our company was the one that did that. Now, my experience of working on that movie was minimum to none. I mean, that was really more of our actual animators. Uh, that were doing that work. So I was just there as a part of the company helping doing some coordinating, but, I mean, it was really our artists who were doing the work on it. So I can't really speak to that. Do I think we can ever see Alan Quartermain on screen again, Rob? I I, I think so. I, I mean, yeah, listen, he's he's a little bit of a recognized name. He's Indiana Jones before there was Indiana Jones. Uh, I could see, uh, now again, I don't know of anything imminent, but I could see somebody taking a crack at Alan Quartermain again. Rob, what do you think?
1: Uh, absolutely. You know, they, they what canon those there was two of them, Alan Quartermain and the, like the Lost City of Gold or something back in the 80s. So why not? I mean, it, look, if Indiana Jones 5 does well and brings back sort of that swashbuckling period piece adventure story, even though I guess it would be set in the 70s, I guess. Uh, why not? Why not have I could see also I could see Alan Quartermain being done as a streaming series. You know, like a 10 episode streaming series. That could be pretty dope. I'd
0: it's, watch one, it. It. it's one of those characters that you really can do almost anything with. You can make up any adventure yeah. story you want with them just because, and just use that character. So it'll be interesting to see yep. what they do. All right, next up, we got Suthius who writes. Uh, at the new Avengers Campus California Adventure, there is a new Spider-Man ride uh, in the queue of the ride. There is a board which showcases the engineers, which include Peter Parker and Harley Kinnear from Iron Man 3. However, there are also three other uh, three other names, which include Luena Lafayette, a.k.a. Moon Girl, Doreen Green, a.k.a. Squirrel Girl, and Onomi, who is also a Wakandan genius. I know that this is just a ride, but are these possible clues that we'll see these three characters in the MCU soon? Eh, Rob, I, I'm going to say no. I mean, that doesn't mean we won't see these characters. I mean, obviously Peter Parker is in the MCU. So there's that one. I mean, so we very well could, but I wouldn't say that just because their names are included as a little Easter egg drop on a ride at a theme park, that that is necessarily... Information pointing to the fact that they're going to be in the movies at some point, so they right. very well could pop up in in the MCU. But I don't think that's connected to the fact that their names are listed on the right. I don't know, Rob. What do you think about that?
1: Um, I, I think kind of the same thing. I mean, at, at this point, anything's possible. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know, true. I wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't put it past. They're thinking. they they're definitely thinking out of the box, and I think Loki proves that, bringing in the TVA and all that. But I think that. You know, like you said, anything is possible, but I don't think it's probable. <laughs> All right. That makes any sense.
0: It totally does. All right. Next up, uh, we got John DeMoto who writes, hello, John. Have you seen the new set photos of Mark Ruffalo returning in Marvel She-Hulk? We actually talked about that last week. Um, uh, oh, sorry. We had a bit of a jump here. I don't know why, but the thing is doing its little jumps today. a oh, second. There we go. Uh, have you seen of uh, Mark Ruffalo returning Marvel She-Hulk? What are your thoughts on these? Uh, do you think we'll ever see the return of Betty Ross? Also, less than one week until Loki. Yeah, I mean, Loki for you guys now is coming in just two days. Um, yeah, we did see and we talked about the, the Ruffalo picture. So you can go back and watch our video on that that we did last week. The return of Betty Ross, though, that's an interesting question. Because, Rob, don't forget that the... Um, the Edward Norton Hulk is the Mark Ruffalo Hulk. A lot of people forget that. The Edward Norton Hulk is the Mark Ruffalo Hulk. It's the same character. They just swapped actors. That's all. It's not like the, uh, the, old, uh, the old Hulk movie there with uh, Nick Nolte. That's not MCU, but this one is. And Rob, of course, we had Betty Ross in that movie. So Betty Ross yep. is in the MCU. She is still Thunderbolt Ross's daughter ever since they killed the whole Black Widow uh, Dr. Banner romance, which broke my heart because I thought that could have been an excellent, excellent romance. The way they set it up in Age of Ultron, I thought was fantastic. You know, you know, I've, all, I've known a lot of guys ready to run into the fight, but then I meet this guy who runs away from the fight because he knows he'll win. I love that line. That's yeah. one of my favorite lines in the MCU. And then they just decided to discard they just discarded that relationship with one little line, "Hey Nat, hey Bruce." Well, this is awkward, and then they just threw that whole relationship away. I, I, I am, I'm actually really think that was a bad move because I thought that could have been a great relationship. But ever since they did throw that relationship away, that does introduce the possibility of Betty Ross again. I'm going to go out on a limb and say this, Rob. I believe we will see Betty Ross again. Now, whether it'll actually be you know the same actress or not, I don't know but I believe we will see Betty Ross again. Anyway, Rob, uh, what do you think about that? Do you think we're going to see Betty Ross back in the MCU again?
1: Uh, I think we very well could. Uh, I don't see why we couldn't. I mean, hell, dude, with the multiverse of madness happening, they could bring back Jennifer Connelly. You know, why not? Who's to say they couldn't? But wait,
0: no, 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 Jennifer Con- Wait, so-
1: Okay, maybe I got Wasn't it mixed she. Up. Wasn't she Betty Ross in the Ong Lee Hulk? Yes, but I mean that's not MCU. Like Liv Tyler. No, I know, but that's what I mean. With oh, like the they could do madness, that. Yeah, I mean you you could you could have. Her. I mean, obviously she's married to Paul Bettany, you know, who's Vision. <laughs> who is bring who her is back? Very... And she's already doing the voice, you know, of the new Jarvis, or whatever. You know, why not have? First of all, who doesn't like Jenny Jennifer Connelly? Oh, of course, everyone. Likes Jennifer. I mean, I think Jennifer Connelly is is you know. Every, I won't. I won't get too lascivious, but you know, you know, what I'm saying Jennifer she, Connelly. No, she's I great.
0: I, I, well, I think if I, they do it, they should do I mean, Liv
1: Tyler. But yeah, I mean, Dave, and she's great too. Yeah, you know, but but the way things are going, I, I think I think it would be nice, maybe with, um, you know, with the She Hulk series, if Mark Ruffalo is going to be in it, uh, I would like to see him have some happiness. You know, Mike. I want to see. I want to see Banner be happy.
0: <laughs> but first so. things first, they've got to get rid of this professor Hulk thing. They've got I, I, like, to me, they've got to get rid of professor Hulk. Now, listen, I didn't mind it so much in end game because again, it was something very bold doing. That was very different. Um, all that kind of stuff. Great. But they, to me, they've really neutered Hulk. I really want them to get back to the true nature of the Hulk. And that means getting And I, I don't see, you know, Liv Tyler and, Professor Hulk having an intimate relationship. I I saw so they got to get rid of that anyway. That's just me. All right, let's move yeah. on here. Uh next up, Good Irish Kid writes. 1 of 3. Hey John and Gang, finally got around to Tenet. Big fan of Nolan and of science. When I heard he was doing a movie about entropy, I was super excited. The reviews are mixed, so I was hesitant in fear I'd be let down. I loved it. I described it as a brilliant sequel with its own movie. (laughs) That's an interesting way of putting it. Watching it multiple times just makes the movie better. I think, ironically, it will take time for people to realize how well-crafted the movie is. I feel they should have explained entropy better. A quick search... uh, Again, sorry, guys. This thing is jumping around a lot today. Um, There we go. A quick search... for Brian Cox Entropy uh, is a good start. Original ideas were so important. When we get a good one, we should support it. No, that's not necessarily true. Uh, I did watch it at home with a little with little audio issues. So my experience was probably superior to others. Current thoughts keep it up and bring on the filthy. Well, thanks for that for good Irish kid. Listen, I I really do believe this. I really believe that it is your it is not the audience's responsibility rob to figure out your movie it is not the audience's responsibility to if you if you make a movie that requires your audience to have to go back and watch it three or four or five times to get it that is your failure as a filmmaker mm. because part of being a storyteller rob the the part of being an effective storyteller is not just having a good story to tell, it's telling the story well in a way that engages and is your audience can experience it. And if you have a great story, but tell it in such a way that leaves half your audience scratching their heads and it requires them to go back and watch it three or four or five times, I'm sorry, that's not the audience's fault. That's the storyteller's fault. It's like, it's like telling patrons at a restaurant, oh, you just have to get used to the way this chef prepares his steak. Once you eat it four or five or six times, you'll start to see why the chef cooks it this way. No, the job of the chef is to take that dish and prepare it and present it to his customers in such a way that when they eat it, they're able to enjoy it immediately. That is part of the trick of being a filmmaker and a storyteller. And listen, I'm not saying Christopher Nolan botched Tenet. I'm not. I enjoyed Tenet. I like Tenet. But when you've got so much of the audience that is like, I had a difficult time following what they were doing. I This and this and this to me didn't make sense, blah, blah. When you hear a lot of your audience saying that stuff, Rob, the problem isn't the audience. The problem is you as the storyteller. That is your responsibility to communicate the story in such a way that the audience can easily come along for the ride with. I'm not saying filmmakers shouldn't challenge the audience a little bit. Of course they should. But as a story, not as a story creator, as a storyteller, you have to make sure it serves well. And that is not the audience's responsibility. I don't know, Rob, you have seen Tenet. Oh, you've seen Tenet by now, have you not? Did you, oh, not? yes. I, oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, so you've seen Tenet. I I don't know. What do you think about, and by the way, I've I've still not watched it again. I need to watch it again with subtitles on so I can, so whatever. I still enjoy it already, but I don't know. What do you think about what he's saying? And and I don't know. how. Do you, how would you respond to that?
1: Well, I I tend to agree. I like with, with what you were saying because look, I've watched Tenet a couple of times now, and I, I like what's happening in the movie. I like the way it's it's beautifully made. The effects are very cool, but I find it sort of needlessly convoluted. Like, why why is this so hard to grasp? And I find. You know, as I'm watching it, I'm, I'm trying I'm – I'm a fairly intelligent, astute viewer, John, and I, I just don't understand why it had to be so – I guess I would call it murky. You know, mm. and, and I think that you're absolutely right. I mean, filmmakers, if, if there's a general consensus by audiences that a movie is difficult to understand or it's hard to hear, for instance, like I don't understand why Christopher Nolan, for instance, makes things hard to hear. Like I get what he's yeah. trying to do as Viceroy of Verisimilitude myself, I get that he's trying to create a reality within the within the movie. However, when you have somebody speaking in a film and you can't understand what they say, that you're bumping on that. You as an audience member, are like, wait a minute, what? And to me, that's a mistake. You know, as somebody that works in in post-production, if you can't understand dialogue, that's that's on the filmmaker. You shouldn't have to make an audience work. To hear what a character says, and I, I really don't understand that. To me, that's something I would bump on, and I would fix it. Uh, and I, I get where Christopher Nolan's going, but I think it's wrong, you know. And I, I think when a filmmaker is making a movie, you want people to be able to understand the story that's being told, and it is a failure on your part as a filmmaker if they can't.
0: All right. Good thoughts. Next up. Thanks for sending that in. Good Irish kid, by the way. And I'm glad you enjoyed it so much, dude. All right. Next up. Casey McNatt writes. Hey, John. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. I was just wondering if you checked out the first Reminiscence trailer featuring Hugh Jackman. I think it looks very interesting and it gave me some Memento Inception vibes. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Listen, Rob, I don't know if you saw this trailer, this Reminiscence trailer. But uh, here's the thing to me. I actually didn't think it was all that good of a trailer. I didn't either. I I thought, number one, I'm interested because it's Hugh Jackman. So, okay, I'm interested. I'm in. But I would have bet $1,000 that that – if I didn't know anything else about the movie, I would have bet $1,000 that it was a Christopher Nolan movie <laughs> when I was watching the trailer. <laughs> so, yeah, when you say in there that it's got Memento and Inception vibes – it absolutely has Memento and Inception vibes. 100% it does, because it totally felt like a Christopher Nolan film to me. But I, to me, that trailer was just a random series of images and sounds. I, I was like, okay, so I get the basic idea that there's this device that does this. The world is in a certain place. And uh, now, again, it's just the first trailer the first trailer isn't supposed to give us the the firm foundation yet of what the movie's going to be, but I'm not going to lie to you as a big of a fan as I am of Hugh Jackman, this was not a trailer that made me any more interested in the movie. That was just my thoughts. Rob, what did you think about the trailer?
1: Uh, look, it's obviously handsomely mounted. It looks great. Hugh Jackman's a, a performer. I will watch in anything uh, and I'm intrigued by the subject matter, but other than that, it felt derivative of, like you just said, like 10 different things. And I, I'm like, okay, uh, where's, how does this, what about this movie is is different? Like, and I haven't seen that hook yet. But that, you know, again, uh, I've watched just about every science fiction, fantasy and horror film under the sun. So I might be a little biased, show me something new, but I will, I, I look, I'm not gonna not watch it. <laughs> Like, oh, I, yeah. I'll be yeah, excited too. for it. I mean, like, it's it didn't make me go, that looks like it sucks. No, it looks like it's really well made and really interesting. But it, right now, it seems like I've seen this story before told different ways. But maybe not. Maybe I could be wrong.
0: All right. Next up, uh, we've got uh, Anonymous who writes... I've always been, again, this thing is jumping all over the place today. Sorry about that. I've always been a fan of Neil Blomkamp. District 9, I love District 9. Chappie was all right, in my opinion. But now it looks like he's going the route of supernatural horror, and I can't wait to see what, uh, what what that is like. Have you seen the trailer for his new film, Dominic? I'm going to assume that Neil Blomkamp doesn't have a secret movie in production called Dominic, and I'm going to assume you mean his movie, Demonic. I'm going to assume you mean his movie Demonic. Um, Well, first of all, look, Neil Blomkamp is a name that I I, I feel mixed about because like you, I loved District 9. District 9 was fantastic. Elysium was a movie I was really excited about, and I thought it ended up being horseshit. I thought Elysium was terrible. And then Chappie... I'm glad you thought it was okay. And by the way, I know people who actually quite enjoyed Chappie. Uh, That's why all film is subjective. I know people who really quite enjoyed Chappie. I thought Chappie was an equally big pile of horseshit that, uh, that at least, I thought it was just absolutely awful. Um, So I feel very, a little bit mixed on Neil Blomkett. This new trailer demonic, it looks, it looks like it was shot on an iPhone and that may or may not be a terrible thing, but it's clearly lower budget. But, hey, listen, look what he did with a lower budget on District 9. I mean, he did a, in a grand scheme of things. He did a pretty damn good job uh, without District 9. This definitely looks lower budget. It looks like something for a film festival. I, I mean, I don't know. Look, I was just so let down by both Elysium and Chappie that it is difficult for me to get too terribly excited about a Neil Blomkamp movie. That's not to say that this movie won't be brilliant. I'm just saying, I, I, if I'm going to be honest, I don't instantly get excited for his projects, and this trailer didn't do much for me to get very excited about.
1: I know, Rob, did you have a chance to see this demonic trailer? Yeah, I got to say, I, I thought it looked, you know, I I thought it looked pretty cool. I, but nice. like Good. you, But like you, Elysium, I was really disappointed in Elysium. And and Chappie, I'm like, uh, <laughs> and I. this is after loving District 9. You know, but this movie, only because, look, you tell me something has demonic possession in it, I'm in. <laughs> it's just, it's just a, it's one of those. And I, I watched the trailer, it looked suitably intense. You know, the cutting is, but it could be a very deceptive trailer. But yes, Neil Blumkamp, I want everything he makes to be great, but only District Nine did it. And District Nine is really good. You know, for what it is, I'm like, this is really good. So I don't think he's lived up to the promise of that. And I've really enjoyed, I think it's called like, is it Wild Oats Studios? Like he's been making these cool shorts. Yeah, I can't remember what they call bit. them. Uh, yeah, I, and I've liked those. So, man, I looked at this and I'm like, hell yeah, so to speak. Hell yeah, I'm in. Show me Demonic Brothers because I want to see it.
0: All right. Next up, we've got uh, Michael Bradley who writes, "Hey John, what's more likely: the cast of Friends getting back together for a six-episode comeback, or Justin Timber- Timberlake doing a reunion tour within sync?" Well, I think the Justin Timberlake thing's an impossibility. I mean, there was there one of the new uh, uh, what is what's the name of the insurance company, Rob, that has Flo who does the, which I I always forget the name of the insurance company, but what would you think it I don't was? Know. Is it progressive? It might be. Maybe it's progressive. But there was a new progressive commercial that just came out that it's like it's she says it's something like uh, more incomplete than like there's a knock on the door and it's three guys from NSYNC. And she even points out. It's, you know, it's not time for that three-fifths of the band in sync. And obviously it's not. And everybody's saying live chat, it is progressive. So thank you, Marcus and Holland and AA and Omar and Jimmy and Yellow and Uncanny and Jordan and everybody who has said it's pro- it is progressive. So saying, hello like three-fifths of the group in sync. So like, yeah, Joey Fatone and all that. Yeah, I I don't think we're ever seeing Justin Timberlake get back together again. But, but, and let's be clear, here I am not saying we are getting a actual friends uh, relaunch. I'm not suggesting that, but when you consider that, well, people like Lisa Kudrow and David Schwimmer and a couple of the others have kept busy. uh, And Jennifer Garner's Jennifer Garner, Jennifer Aniston has been kind of hit and miss. It's like, none of them are the big superstars that they were when friends was on. And considering how much attention that friends, reunion special they just did on HBO was and it was actually Rob I'm not a huge frenzite I'm not a Friendsite, but even I thought that reunion special on HBO was really good like I, it just felt nice very nostalgic watching it I think them actually getting together to do a, a six episode and eight episode you know HBO one season limited series about where they are now 20 years later or whatever I could see it happening. I'm not saying it will, but I could see it happen. Rob, what do you think? Do you think they could actually get back together and do this again?
1: Well, I I dipped, look, I've told people this. I've admitted it. I'll say it. I've never seen an episode of Friends all the way through. Right. (laughs) Never. I dipped into the special, though. And clearly, uh, because, you know, I like to say aware, John. I like to have my pop culture knowledge up to date. And it's clear that this cast still has that chemistry, even having not watched an episode. I'm like, I would watch us. It made me want to go back and watch friends. Right. I mean, that's
0: huge praise. That's huge. Praise. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I'm like, I would watch, I would watch this show, you know, and, and clearly they were having a good time. I mean, John, obviously they've made more money than God off <laughs> friends. They've yeah. all become, you don't have, they don't have to do much. Don't worry about the cast of friends. Cause they're, I mean, Netflix, as we know, in 2019 paid a $100 million licensing fee just to run Friends for another year before it was pulled up, you know, pulled and brought on to what HBO Max. And um, there's a reason why. There's a reason why people still watch this show, you know, a quarter century later or whatever. And it's because of the cast. And I'm thinking with all the other reboots we've seen, whether it's Will and Grace, whether it's Full House, whatever it is. You think people wouldn't tune in to watch Friends? Yeah. Of course they would. Huge. Be huge. Absolutely would. All right.
0: Next up, uh, we've got uh, Ram. But in McD, am David Wright's. One of 11. One of 11. Okay. Buckle in, guys. Here we go. Let's see. Bear with me for a moment. I am an Indian immigrant currently on a worker visa in the U.S., Simplified version of my status is that whenever I don't like a job and want to change it, I have to wait for a company to literally buy my visa. Uh, So it's not just uh, interview prep that I need to worry about. I also need to think about the companies that are willing to do that. While the visas provide us with a lot of opportunities and it is 100% voluntary, when I think about a company essentially purchasing me from the other, I am happy that that I live here, but that thought doesn't sit well with me. Not many people talk about slash understand the experience that we as immigrants, uh, again, a little bit of a jump, that we as immigrants, sorry, I lost that. Not many people talk about or understand the experience that we as immigrants that grew up in a different culture slash country experience in this country of freedom. Individually. Uh, that go alongside with the racism and violence. It's not that I didn't know about the bad aspects of the culture. I did, but chose to move here because the pros outweigh the cons, at least for me. Anyway, through my struggle over the past few months uh, to find a new job, I came close so many. Uh, I came close to so many offers and went uh, and went through a lot of rejections. When in turn revealed my insecurities about my work and how I see myself in dealing with those insecurities and learning to overcome them. uh, Kim's convenience had a huge hand in helping me do so while it had a lot of classic sitcom tropes. It didn't, it did have several elements that are vastly different from any sitcom show that came before looking at the show, exploring the immigrant experience. Kim's convenience had a huge hand in helping. Oh, uh, it looks like you just, yep. You just accidentally duplicated the one Uh, in a lighthearted way helped me so much in dealing with my own stuff. After a hard day of working, prepping for interviews, getting over the thoughts of weird side of worker visa and worrying about my family in India, this show put a smile on my face. While I am not Korean, I found myself relating to the family dynamics of this show a lot. My family is in India right now, jailed inside their homes because of COVID and the awful stuff going on over there right now. And this show took that heaviness off my head and made me fantasize about... Uh, About what it would be like to have my father slash mother here running a convenience store to have it end in such an abrupt fashion with literally no one that worked on the show happy about it. It just it's disheartening and disappointing while there are other shows uh, like it never have I ever I hate this I hate this show. Uh, never have I ever, I really hate the show. They come nowhere near to how good Kim's convenience was. This show started something and showed the world what's possible. I hope the networks and showrunners realize that and follow the path to make something as good or even better. P.S. Paul Sun Hung Lee is one of the best actors out there. All right, man, Ram. Thanks a lot for saying that in. And yeah, listen, dude, I, I, I understand now I didn't have the same experience you did. Like, I didn't have to get a a worker's visa, but I know so many people, like so many friends of mine in Canada, friends of mine in Canada, who work in the entertainment industry that have wanted to come down, because, you know, the heart of the entertainment industry is in the U.S., and they've wanted to come down to pursue it. But in order to do so, you got to get a visa. And in order to do that, you have to have a company that's not only willing to hire you, but then willing to sponsor your visa process and all that. And it can be a pain in the ass. And then if you're suddenly not working for that company anymore, guess what? Your visa is not valid anymore. And now you got to do all these. Now I'm oversimplifying it, but it is a pain in the ass. And it's a really difficult thing to struggle with. So I get it, man. I get it. And you're also right about Kim's Convenience. There was something, Rob, I, I know you haven't had a chance to really watch the whole thing yet, but there is something about that show that when you sit down and watch Kim's Convenience, you know, we talk about this with movies and TV shows all the time, a good story teleports you away it gives you uh, your 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 whole mind your body your soul an oasis to refresh renew smile and laugh feel excited whatever and then you come out of it more a little bit more equipped to deal with the the regular trash that goes on in your life every day kim's convenience was such an amazing wonderful surprise to me when i discovered it cuz i was really late to the game on kim's convenience mm. and just the it made me think of family And it made me think of my family dynamics, even though obviously my family is Italian, not Korean. And it just had a way of infusing joy into your day. That's the best way I know how to describe it. When I would watch Kim's Convenience, I just felt like a dose of joy was injected into my life that day. (laughs) And it was just wonderful. And you fell in love with these characters and you love them so much. And the way they ended that show is almost criminal. Like the way, like when the network itself wants to continue desperately, the cast and crew want to continue it desperately, the main producers want to continue it desperately. And they everybody thought we were doing another season. Everybody picked it up, but the showrunners like, nah, nah, we, we got other things we want to do.
1: Bye. I don't understand that at all. Oh, neither do I. You, you know, and hearing Simulu, he he's got Shangxi coming out, but even he recently in the in the press was complaining like Yeah. How do you do that A beloved show? Like I don't – John, it's so hard to get something on the air. And if you have something that's beloved not only by the audiences but by the cast and the crew working on it, finish it off properly. Like why just abruptly pull the plug?
0: Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what it's going to – what these showrunners are going to find. Like I get you got other <laughs> things you want to do and you want to strike while the iron's hot. You've got opportunities. I get that. But here's what this has done for me. By not going into season six and just saying, hey, guys – Season six is going to be the final season of Kim's Convenience. It gives the audience a year to prep for that. You know, that you get to wrap everything up. You feel good about it. By just randomly and suddenly pulling the plug. I am going to have a very hard time watching anything these guys do later because I don't know. What do you do? Make one season decide you want to go do something else. Like, I I know, I don't trust these guys anymore. And I don't even know their, I've read their names before. I don't even remember their names right now. But I'm like, I I don't trust you anymore. Like, if you just pull the plug to the whole thing that you, that the entire cast and and show and crew all feel completely blindsided and you left us as the audience feeling completely blindsided, I get it. You're hot right now because of how good your show is. Give it, guess what? You're still going to be a hot name one year from now. Finish it off properly. Let the cast and crew know they've got that last season. Let the audience know you've got that last season. The fact, and you're right. Like when you read Simulu and Paul Young's like uh, 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 words, like you realize that's how we as an audience feel. So, hey, congratulations, showrunners, you made this great show, Kim's Convenience. But the classless way that you ended it. It's not out of bitterness, although I'm going to admit there's a little bitterness, but it's not out of bitterness that I say, I'm not going to watch what you do next. It's out of fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. I don't trust that you're going to follow through a show that you do. I don't trust that I can invest myself in whatever next show you do because you've just shown us that you're just going to at any moment. You're just going to pull the plug and not give any warning to anybody. So I, I don't know, Rob, am I over-exaggerating that? I don't know. What What do you think about this?
1: I don't think you're over-exaggerating it. I mean, this is sort of a unique, like, who who stops making a TV show that's immensely popular? I mean, that isn't, you know, normally when it's like, this is the last season because it's just become too expensive to make because the talent if you're on a TV show for, say, past the seven seasons or whatever, everybody gets a lot of money. So it becomes just too expensive to to produce. So they they, they say, OK, we're going to end after seven seasons. That wasn't the case with this show. They, like, blindsided everybody. Here's a show that – and people were just discovering Kim's Convenience because it went from being a Canada-only show to, to being broadcast in places where we could see it, kind of like Letterkenny. You know, I mean, that was a Canadian show, too. And now uh, Kim's Convenience had a much bigger uh, 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 awareness and an audience ex- expanded uh, greatly. Um, it seems so silly to to not have continued on or at least done Kim's Convenience, the final season. We never got that. Like, yep. why didn't we?
0: Yeah, and listen again. It's it's a different thing when a network is like, "Listen, we're losing money on this show. We have to cancel it." And I'll, I get I get that. But when the network wants the show back, when the cast and the cast and the crew and the network all think they're doing season six, they already got approved for season six. Everybody made their plans. They did their bookings through their agents. Everything set, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they pulled the plug. The the showrunners pulled yeah. the plug. It's it's really unfortunate the way that all happened. And uh, yeah, well. We'll see what happens. All right, anyway, let's move on here. Uh, Jason writes, I remember that you said you enjoyed the first episode of Superman and Lois. I've enjoyed all of it so far, actually. Um, I was wondering if you had caught up since it came back a few weeks ago, and if so, we're still enjoying it, and what you thought about the latest episodes. So I answered this the other day. I actually, I am only, I'm mostly caught up. I haven't seen episode eight. Because... Uh, Rob, in the last week or so, I was explaining this on the show the other day, I and Anne had to get caught up on two episodes of Handmaid's Tale, and then we had the entire Lucifer season 5B that we had to get through, and then I binged all of Warrior's two seasons in three days. Wow, I okay. have literally not had any time to, wait. hopefully today. Today I'm going to get caught up on Superman and Lois, but I, I just, I've only got so much time to watch TV and man, the last week I have watched a lot of TV, but unfortunately none of it has been Superman and Lois. So I'm hoping that this day, Rob, I don't know. Have you and I talked about warrior? Have you seen
1: warrior? I haven't seen it, but we've talked about it on the show here. Yeah. Cause I pe- have not.
0: People have I've talked about it. it and said, you got to watch warrior. And my buddy, Dennis, who Dennis Zen was here last night as well. Like, I've seen Dennis post about on social media, Warrior's so good, Warrior's so good. So I finally started watching it. And once I watched the first two episodes, it's like, F, that's it, I'm hooked. And I binged the whole two seasons in like three days. So <laughs> I haven't had any time to watch Superman Lois, but I will get caught up, but I'm really enjoying it uh, right now. As of right now, I'm still really enjoying it, Jason. Okay, next up, we've got uh, Filthy writes. With Demon Slayer grossing 450 million dollars worldwide and the increased popularity in the West with magna, uh, mega manga anime, do you think we will start seeing more Hollywood interest in these stories? Nope, I don't. I I, I mean you're, I'm not I'm not saying should or shouldn't. I'm saying if you're asking me will they or won't they, I don't think they will because well, you may get a success story now and again. One success story doesn't create moment, doesn't create a movement. They have tried a lot of times. The larger Hollywood Rob many times have tried larger scale things based on anime. and for every one success story, you've got about eight flops, or eight things that just didn't work they way the way they wanted to. So do I think now again, I'm not saying they should or shouldn't. I'm not saying that at all. You just ask me whether I think they will or won't. And I think, I think the answer to that is no, it won't. I don't know, Rob, how would you say, address that?
1: I I kind of feel the same way. I don't, I don't, I think no, it won't too. I I, I mean, but again, I mean, it really, it really depends. It it depends on, on who wants to do something, how they're going to do it and why they're going to do it. And, but, but yeah, probably no, it won't. But still, John, in this day and age, Uh, nothing surprises me. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, you just, you just never know. And what I, I'm now I, I, and that's, I think one of the the great things about living in this particular time is that we can see like they they just, they just started making a new evil dead movie. And I'm like, I never thought they would do that,
0: (laughs) but they are. (laughs) So, all right, let's move on here. Uh, Next up. Omar writes, Hey, John, I just wanted to get your opinion on what I think would be a crazy twist for the DCU to pull. Continue the Snyderverse as the primary Earth, but put the new Superman slash Robert Pattinson Batman on a separate Earth back in the Snyderverse as Henry, uh, Snyderverse as Henry, back in the Snyderverse as Henry Cavill. Uh, No, no. I mean, it, it depends. Here's the thing, Rob. It depends on what people are defining as the Snyderverse. If you define the Snyderverse as the existing DCEU that includes non-Zack Snyder movies like Wonder Woman and Shazam and Aquaman and things like that, they are going to continue that universe for sure. And if you define that as Snyderverse, then cool. Then, yes, I do believe they are continuing on with that. Um, And, yes, they are. Joker told and showed Warner Brothers that you could do completely complete movies well outside of that universe and outside of that mainline DCEU and be extremely successful. And that's what they're doing with Robert Pattinson's Batman. And that's what they're doing with the new Superman movie, which is why I am still holding out hope that if they're doing this new Superman movie with a black Superman and things like that, great. If the movie's great, awesome. But it still leaves the door open that back in the regular DCEU, that Henry Cavill is still the Superman there. Again, I'm not saying Henry Cavill is going to come back as Superman. Obviously, I hope he does. But uh, but it, I'm just saying it still leaves that door open. So so I don't know. So I, again, if but if, Omar, you are defining the Snyderverse that Zack Snyder comes back to direct more movies, no, that's not going to happen. But if you define Snyderverse just as the continuing of that regular DCEU line, I believe they will. Rob, how do you think they're going to handle this moving forward?
1: Uh, uh, I, it's, I very, very carefully, (laughs) Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I, I don't really know, I don't know how it's going to move forward, but I, it's going to take careful curation, I think, to, in order to move forward successfully. Careful
0: curation. I like that (laughs) phrase. Careful
1: curation. I like
0: that. All right, let's move on here. Next up, Tim writes. Hey, John, first time tipper. Thanks so much, man, for being here. I know you are not a big fan of animated movies. No, 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 no. It's not that I'm not a big fan of animated movies from Marvel or DC. I am not a big fan of straight to home video animated movies from Marvel and DC. Let's be very, very clear about that and be very, very specific about that. You know, it's not that I'm not a big fan of Marvel or DC animated films, it's that I'm not a big fan of a DC or or Warner Brothers or DC or Marvel's straight to home video animated films. Ninety-nine percent of the time they're absolute horseshit. Anyway. Uh, let's try it. let's keep going here. Anyway, uh, I know you're not a big fan of animated movies from Marvel or DC with a few exceptions. I find the DC animated movies are much better than Marvel. Just curious of what you thought of Justice League War, uh Justice League Apocalypse War. Oh, I thought Justice League Apocalypse War was baby's diarrhea uh, mixed with the the stench of rotting flesh. That's what I I thought it was horrible. I I was so disappointed in that because listen, again, there are some Marvel and DC straight-to-home video animated movies that I have enjoyed. Flashpoint, I thought, was enjoyable. I I like that. Uh, Obviously, uh, Under the Red Hood was one that I enjoyed. The Doctor Strange animated movie that they did, I thought was pretty good. But I think almost all of the rest of it is complete shite. Like, it's just awful, childish, low-budget, terrible animation garbage. And... I heard from a lot of people saying, John, you got to go watch Justice League Apocalypse War. You got to watch Apocalypse War. This one you're going to like. And I'm like, all right, all right, all right. I finally heard from enough people to watch it. And I'm watching it. Oh, my God, this sucks. Oh, my God, this sucks. And the animation was so garbage. It's like, you know, it's one of the – I remember Rob – I don't think you guys had in the States. Do you, did you guys ever get in the United States Rocket Robin Hood, the, the animated series? It was a Canadian thing, but I don't know if you guys got yeah, it. Yeah, I've never heard of it. So there was this thing, Rocket Robin Hood, where it was basically Robin Hood, but it was set like 500 years in the future, right? So it was Robin Hood. But the animation was terrible. It's like 90% of the cell doesn't move with just an arm. You know what I'm talking about? And then I'm watching Justice League uh, Apocalypse War and like half the animation is that. So you got these terror demons kind of flying around, but they don't move. All you see is like the, the wings doing this, but nothing else is moving in the cell. I'm like, oh my God, this absolutely is terrible. The story was terrible. The dialogue was terrible. Everything about that movie sucked, in my opinion. It's all subjective. If you guys liked it, that's awesome. And I respect that, but... Yeah, I tried watching that Apocalypse War, and I thought it was awful. I mean, better than any animated movie I could make, sure, but I'm not the standard of excellence, am I? Um, but yeah, I I just thought it was terrible. I, did you ever get a chance to get around to watching Apocalypse War?
1: No, I did not. You know, for me, those DC movies have been hit and miss. Like, I really liked, like, say, the Wonder Woman one. I liked, um, uh, there was a Teen Titans one I liked, and there I liked the, uh, like you said, Flashpoint. I thought that was pretty good. But, um, yeah, also,
0: I haven't they, seen it. I, they also I, I did, uh, I was just going to say, they also did that one. That one was really good. The one they did the animated two part version of the dark Knight returns. They did a good job with that one. That one was also like pretty good. Uh, yeah. and then what was that one? They was it killing joke they did? Yeah. We're Batman and Batgirl or fucking on that top of a kidding. building. It's like this whole thing is sucks. Anyway, that's just my thing. So yeah, I, Again, I, I, yeah, man, I'm just not a fan of Marvel or DC straight to home video animated bullshit. I, I find it to be just very, very bad, but that's just me that just because I think is bad doesn't mean you should think it's bad. If you like it, that is awesome. I, I'm not trying to yuck on your yum, but yeah, by the way, Donald Thomas sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Donald. Appreciate that, man. All right, let's move on here. Um, Next up is Omar, who writes, oh, part two. I didn't know there was part two. Uh, As Henry Superman turns to Darkseid's puppet, instead of going back in time, they should do that. So this is all what if stuff. Anyway, as Henry Cavill Superman turns to Darkseid's puppet, instead of going back in time, they go to the next Earth with a Superman to help with the Flash's power. Nah, nah, nah. I mean, look, I do love the idea, though. I love the idea of... Henry Cavill still being Superman in the mainline DCEU. As far as like, let's create now the story about what happens to him. I mean, you can come up with any story that you want and that's whatever, but I do love the egg. Cause listen, I I mean, obviously I still have, you can just see him right here. There he is. I still got Henry in my room. This is, now I only have one poster in my standing or on my wall. Otherwise, I only have one poster in my office, whether it's a stand or hanging my wall. And that is Henry Cavill, Superman. We're right here. That's the only one I got in my office. I love him. I hope we see him return Omar. So yeah, I would love to see personally, uh, them continue to go on in that DCU timeline with whatever story they do. I would love to see them continue that on and have Superman there. And then, and maybe, you know, Batman returns as well. And then having Robert Pattinson, other universe Batman going on and whatever this new Superman movie they're working on in another universe and do those standalone yeah. stories. And I think that could be a great formula for great success moving forward. But anything that keeps the door open for possibly having Henry Cavill come back as Superman is good in my books, Omar. It's totally good in my books. All right. Uh, next up, we got uh, Felipe, the sentient dancing microphone writes, Hey, John, the other day, you said you would never do a schmodown I was wondering if this is something you'd reconsider if certain things were to change over there, or if it was inherent part of the show itself that gives you pause. I I don't know why anybody cares about this, um, but no, listen, I, I'm I'm not gonna lie, um, and I and I'm not one of these whiny little bitches that's gonna name names. <laughs> I look, I Christian Harloff and I get along great. Uh, we were just texting back and forth with each other yesterday, by as a matter of fact. But uh, no, I'm not going to be involved in Shemote. Look, I'll just be frank. There are certain elements there that I want to not be associated with in any way. There's that. And that, before anybody tries to say there's drama with John and Christian, there's not. Me and Christian get along great. And I will always do, you know, I have in the past and I will continue to do in the future when there's behind the scenes thing, anything that I can do behind the scenes to help support Christian, I will do. Like whenever Christian has asked me to help us, I will always do it, no matter what. Um, so let's be very, very clear about that. But no, I will not I will never appear on Schmowdown again. So there's and I'll just I don't even know that.
1: what that is, John. What is the schmodown <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't yeah, that's right. You've never heard of that before,
1: have you? You've never. never I it. don't even know what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> so um yeah, so there's that. So anyway, let's move on. Uh next up. Uh Theo uh, Mitchell writes, one of three. Uh, hey, John, I have two words for you. Thank you. Before discovering your channel eight years ago, I thought movies were made by some kind of uh, impenetrable elite secret society I would never be able to get in. Over the years, you have educated me and have taught me to trust, create, and act on my own ambitions. After graduating high school, I moved from my small town in the south of France to New York City. That's a huge move, man. That's that's ballsy, dude. Uh, to New York City and have been working in the film industry ever since. Slowly making uh, making my way to hopefully one day have one of my projects be a segment on your show. Sincerely, thank you. Deepest respect and love to you till the day I'll be able to thank you in person for the impact you've made on my life, bringing on the filthy. P.S. R.I.P. The King of the Sweaties. Uh, That's from Theo. Dude, first of all, it's always inspiring. It is always inspiring to hear about people people's stories who got off their asses and said I am going to take a stab at the things I dream about. And you the, the thing about rob taking stabs at your dreams is that most of the time they don't actually work. But that's not that's not the point. The point is you are the type of person cuz this will serve you well throughout the rest of your life. When you are the type of person who won't just sit down and talk about what you want to do, you do it. And that means taking risks. And the part of risks means a lot of times it doesn't work and it fails. But to be the type of person that says, this is what I'm dreaming about and I'm going to take a shot. It means having to take risks. It means having to go outside of your comfort zone. It means leaving a beautiful place like the South of France and move into New York city, which is not easy to do. And to actually, because you know, as the great, great Wayne Gretzky once said, Rob, you miss a hundred percent of the shots that you don't take. And it takes guts because most of the time, those types of risks don't work out. But to build that into your character will serve you in so many ways for the rest of your life. And I think it's totally amazing. Rob, I know you made the move. Like, you, you're you a Seattle guy. At yep. some point, you decided what I need to do is to move to Los Angeles and do that. I mean, why is that important? Like, if somebody were to ask you, why is it important to actually be willing to actually take those steps and to take those shots what would you just say, say to somebody who's like contemplating
1: something like that? Well I, uh, here's the thing um, you know we have one life to live and if there's something that you want to do, the only way it's going to happen is if you do it you know I think I think that there's some people that think stuff's just gonna happen to them you know and I, I can assure you that isn't the case. (laughs) You know, and I I learned a lesson when I was in high school between my junior and senior year, I was, I was elected to the student council and they had like these leadership seminars that you would go to like for a week. It was kind of like summer camp. And I went to one of these leadership seminars and I met other people like me from across the state of Washington. And I, I, you know, normally I, Uh, because the summer I I always had a job and I wanted to stay home and see the movies that open on Friday. So I wouldn't really do anything, but I met all these cool people and they invited me to parties all over the state. And I made a decision. I'm like, you know what? Anytime somebody invites me somewhere rather than find an excuse not to go, I'm just going to go. And so that summer I had a lot of fun going places. I wouldn't normally go because it was too much trouble or, and I just made, I, I made a conscious decision to do this I met a lot of great people, had a lot of fun. And I realized, you know what? I'm going to start living my life this way. I, if, if there's opportunities that show, that come my way, I'm just going to take them. I'm going to go out and do things. And I'm gonna, I'm not going to stay home. And I'm not going to play it safe. I'm going to do what they what they say in every Star Trek episode, John. Boldly go. And because if you don't, well, you're going to miss out. I can tell you one thing. If you don't go anywhere... I can tell you for sure, nothing's going to happen. But if you do go somewhere, something will happen. I don't know what, but it was always interesting to find out. And then I met a friend in California named Sean, who became one of my best friends, and we he had a, a philosophy, which was whatever comes my way, which means like we would go out and do things, and whatever came our way, we would exploit them to the full. Usually that meant on Friday and Saturday nights, partying in LA, but still, you know, it was like, go out there and do things. And I think that, you know, it can be daunting for some people, but I, I can, I can say this, nothing bad has ever happened to me by going out and pursuing my dreams. I've been certainly disappointed. And that comes with the territory. You have to understand that. Yeah. You sometimes are going to fail and fall flat on your face, but I'll tell you, you'll feel better about yourself that you went out and made the attempt.
0: I, and Rob, I love that phrase you mentioned. I, I It must be from some kind of show. I don't know. That phrase, to boldly go. Never heard of
1: it before. Yeah, I know. To, it's amazing, right? To boldly go. That is your life. That is a life philosophy.
0: I I, I want to add to that one. To boldly go where you have
1: not gone before. <laughs> where you
0: have not gone before. I want to add to that one, though. I was talking about this the other day, and it sounds like it comes from the silliest place. Silliest place. The movie Moana. Um, the movie Moana, there's the main song in Moana. There's a line in it that when I, I kid you not, when I hear the song, I actually get a little bit choked up, but in the main mm. course of the song, there's a line that says, there's a line where the sky meets the sea and it calls me. That is such beautiful, poetic imagery. There's a line where the sky meets the sea and it calls me to boldly go. And it doesn't matter if you want to get into the entertainment industry. It doesn't matter if you want to solve, you know, impoverished nations, water, clean water problems. It doesn't matter if it's, you want to design the next great gadget. It doesn't matter if it's like, I want to pilot aircraft through the skies. It doesn't matter if it's, I want to create culinary dishes that like, uh, like that amaze people and what, whatever that line is for you. Whatever that line where the sky meets the sea is for you, boldly go. Give it a shot. And I love the way you said that, Rob. Nothing ever bad's happened from it, although you've been disappointed. Yeah, you're going to face disappointment. That's life. But give yeah. it a shot. Give it a shot. Because you would rather. What do you rather, have to lose? Yeah. You would rather five years from now say, oh, I tried to do this thing and it didn't work. Then, man, if only I had to have tried this. Right? If only I would tried this, you would rather say, you would rather say, I asked that girl out and she said, no, then five years later going, man, I never asked her out. And who knows what would happen? Like, I don't know. Just take a shot. I'm, I'm going to stop waxing yeah, I mean, poetic now.
1: John, I think that's, that's the, the key is that you never ever want to five years from now or 10 years from now or 20 years from now, you don't ever want to say, I wish I had done this yeah. thing.
0: Yep. Good point. All right. Uh, Let's move on now here, Anthony. All right. So John, uh, you already have Felipe, the sentient dancing microphone, and now you have the cat that makes scrambled eggs. How many more bizarre characters are you creating for your eventual campy-averse? But seriously, I love your content, been watching for 10 years. Yeah, Anthony, listen, that has been something I've done a lot. Whenever I, I need to come up with an illustration, I usually create a stupid character in my head. Whether it's, you know, Gases, Movie Reviews, GasStation.fart, or, or whether it's Felipe, the sentient dancing microphone, whatever. I do come up with a lot of those. Anyway, Anthony, thank you so much for the kind words, and thank you for being here and being a part of our community. I appreciate that, man. All right, Nick writes, Hey, John. So I don't know your feelings on Entourage, but I was re-watching it and one of the running themes was Vincent Chase was only doing movies and not TV shows because shows were for B-list talent. Amazing how only a few years later times have changed. Yeah, first of all, Nick, I really, I liked Entourage a lot. Um, I didn't, yeah. I I, I kind of tuned out once they got into that season where, Vinny was getting into his drug problem. It's like, I get it. Every single episode was the same. Oh, look, Vince has got a drug problem. The next episode. Oh, look, Vince has got a drug. I kind of got tired of that. But overall, I really liked Entourage. But it's true. It wasn't that long ago that real actors did movies. And the actors that were good but couldn't get into movies did TV shows. And it was very rare, Rob, There was a lot of years, dude, where it was very rare that somebody who first came to notoriety doing a TV show was able to transition into movies. There was um, uh, Will Smith was one where really he started more as a musical personality than anything else. Uh, George Clooney was one. He really came to notoriety on ER, and he was able to make that transition. But there was a good period of time there. Michael J. Fox. Well, it's a good one. Came to notoriety with family ties. Was able to transition into movie stardom. There was a good period of time, Rob, where you could count on two hands the number of actors who became first became prominent on TV and then were able to successfully transition to movies, and hundreds of thousands that couldn't. That has changed. It's different now. I I remember, dude, who was who was in uh, Forrest Gump. Who was who played Dan? Who played Sergeant Dan or Captain Dan or Lieutenant Dan? Gary Sinise. Gary Sinise. That's right. I remember, like back when Gary Sinise took over one of the CSI kind of shows, he became like a. It's like, whoa, Gary Sinise is doing that. But today, it's like, yeah, the biggest stars are doing some streaming shows, and it's a total. Wash now, Rob, but really it wasn't that long. Rob, when you think about that change, when, you know, real actors did movies, the ones who almost got there did TV. What to you was, can you think of a moment that you think, well, this is one of the key moments that kind of got rid of that wall? I, I don't know. When you think about that, how do you see it?
1: Oh, that's hard to say, but, you know, to me, I don't know why I I don't have an actual actor in mind, but I think it might've been an HBO series, you know, that, that started the, the, the prestige TV shows. Like, I'll, I'll tell you something, I'll tell you when it was solidified in my mind that there was no difference between television and movie acting was the first season of true detective because mm. you had Matthew McConaughey and you had, um, you know, um, why am I drawing a blank his name? Carnage, um, zombie land, you know?
0: Oh, oh, um, yeah. From, uh point. Uh, yeah, ch- uh, 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 now I'm free. Woody Harrelson, is it?
1: Woody Harrelson, yeah. So I was wa- I'm watching this, U- this series, you know, on, on HBO, and it's not that long ago. I mean, this happened way before then. But you have two movie stars that have had really good career in film that are teaming up for an HBO limited series. I mean, to me, that was major firepower, major star power in this limited series. And I'm like, there's no. I thought then there's no difference anymore between television and, and movies none. But I think that that's something that's been developing over like the last 20 years, 25 years. And it was a slow, it was slow, but it was definitely, it it definitely existed. I mean, you didn't see TV stars, but you could always go back, John, you could go back to like die hard. You know, Bruce Willis was a TV star, and he was on Moonlighting.
0: Moonlighting, yeah.
1: And and he did like he did like uh, Sundown or whatever the sun. He he'd done a few movies, but he still wasn't a star. And I remember when Die Hard was coming out, and this is 1988. People were like, "Oh, you know, who's gonna go?" Even I, I I saw it at a public sneak a week before it officially opened here in California. It was one they used to sneak movies uh, to to build word of mouth. And, right. um, it was anybody could go. And I remember going to see Darhard with my friend Taylor and we were kind of joking about it. Thinking, how good can this movie be? <laughs> you know, with Bruce Willis in the lead role, because no one had a sense. And it was, it was so apparent to me 10 minutes in that, oh, this movie is not, this is something special. Mm. And I remember, I mean, it was one of the most delightful times I ever spent in a movie theater, but it was like Bruce Willis. Is a damn movie star, uh, and and that was what in '88, summer of '88, and I thought that's interesting, and it was the first time I ever thought about an actor being able to have, and and he was still on moonlighting, you know, it wasn't over yet. It was, and and I thought, okay, now it's a transitional period, but it it that it's it still, I think, the common, the the common, the conventional wisdom was that yeah, man, you can't, TV was still a place for second rate actors.
0: But it's I don't also, think that's true at all. I, th- I also think it's not just the actors. I think there are a couple of shows that started to change the perception of TV as real prestige pieces. So um, the one that really comes to mind the most is Sopranos. Like because yep. Sopranos became the show. It was it was winning all the awards and all the Emmys, and even Simpsons were constantly you know, doing things about Sopranos and everything was Sopranos and everybody was talking Sopranos. And I think that was one of those key, that and The Wire, shows like that, where that these became really marquee prestige kind of things, which you didn't have a lot of on television. And I think those kind of helped along the way as well, that actors and the industry started to look at TV as a different option as well. But yeah, we are, you're right, Rob, we are totally now in a time where that line is now gone. I mean, Yeah. yeah, we, we don't see Ryan Reynolds, but I mean, even Ryan Reynolds, right? He does a four TV movie like uh the Six Underground that he did with Netflix. By the way, that movie was terrible, but so it was Ryan Reynolds, right? You even see Reynolds. The Rock uh was doing ballers. Uh whatever. Like yeah. we see the biggest stars doing it now. So it's getting, we Michael Douglas is uh the, the Chomsky method. Uh the, the you know, you just you just see the stuff out there, so it's it's really a different era. Anyway, Rob. The end of eras. It's the end of your time on our show here today. We kept you overtime again, but anyway, thanks for being Damn on here today, I'm Rob. Having
1: such fun!
0: Joe. It's a such good time fun. today. It's a good Monday, but anyway, Rob, where can people follow you and all of your adventures online?
1: Uh, you can find me on Instagram under my name, Robert Meyer Burnett. Find me on Twitter at Burnett RM, or find me on my own YouTube channel, The Burnett Work. All right, dude. Thanks
0: again for being here. Great job today, and I will talk to you again tomorrow. Have a good one, man. All right, man. See you tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and the only, the great Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Listen, guys, we still have some time here, so let's keep on going through more of your questions, shall we? We're going to get things picked up here with Anonymous, who writes. One to five, writes, hey, John, haven't had the chance to tip lately because money's been tight. Well, hey, man, we're just glad that you're here, dude. Uh, But I finally have some extra change uh, to spare for my favorite content creator. Thank you, man. Uh, Here are my most anticipated movies of the year. Number 10, last night in Soho, that trailer came out, man. It totally got me interested. Number nine, The Eternals. Number eight, Space Jam, A New Legacy. I don't know why I'm excited for this. Yeah, I can't get excited. I'm a big LeBron fan, but I just can't get excited for this. I don't know why, but I'm glad you are. Number seven, In the Heights, you and my wife both, man. Number six, The Suicide Squad. Number five, Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. Number four, Dune. Number three, Spider-Man No Way uh, Home, which, uh, with so much speculation, I have to, I have to know what's happening here. Uh, number two, Dear Evan Hansen, after seeing the musical with Ben Platt, I think this movie is going to be one of the best movies of the year. I thought the trailer was fantastic. I can't wait to see that. Uh, get Ready to Cry, number one uh, Sword Art Online. Never heard of this. Uh, Sword Art Online, Progressive, Aria of the Starless Night. Uh, sorry, it's a movie from my favorite anime of all time. If the word is in. If the world is in a good enough spot, I'm planning to fly to Japan to see this. That's that's commitment, man. If the world's in a good enough spot, I'm planning to fly to Japan to see this when it first comes out, so I don't have to wait six to nine months for it to get to America. Um, that's my list. Glad the world is starting to get back to normal after 2020. Thanks for everything you do, John. Keep up the good work. Also, I think I forgot to put my name on the first message. Sorry, no. And that is Israel King. So all right, thanks for sending that in. Me. Listen, dude, I thought I was kind of hardcore. When, uh, star Wars, the phantom menace was coming out and I decided to drive across the country, uh, to go and see the movie in my favorite movie theater. I drove all the way across the country to go see it in my favorite movie theater. I thought that was hardcore. You're willing to go to Japan to go see it. That is some hardcore stuff, man. And that is beautiful. And listen, you also mentioned about things starting to get back to normal it is great. It's it's I'm now going back to the movie theaters every week, which has been great enjoying it. Also, you know, Rob and I mentioned it a little bit earlier on uh, today's show that yesterday we finally got to have our housewarming party. And of course, Ann and I moved in in February, but because of COVID, we haven't been able to have a bunch of people over, but we got like 30, 30 35 of our friends that we know were all immunized and whatever and we were finally able to have our our uh, get together last night, which was wonderful. We had a really, really good time. Uh, of course, Rob was there, had a whole bunch of us. Uh, I see if I got some, some other, uh, picks there that, that are nice, but anyway, yeah, again, we, we went from like noon, we went from like noon to, uh, to midnight last night. So people were coming and going all day and it was just, it was just really good. Um, again, like you were saying to get back to normal, to have to be able to get together with friends and people we haven't seen, maybe seen physically in person in a while, to come over and just that whole idea of getting back to normal has been uh, wonderful. It's it's been wonderful, and hopefully that whole process of getting back to normal is going to include for you the ability, Israel King, to get on a plane, fly to Japan, and go see a movie that you're really excited about seeing. That is an, again, I think that's awesome. Again, that's not a movie that interests me, but I think it's so incredibly awesome that as a fan of the content, you're willing to get on a plane and fly to another country just so you can see it now. I think that's great. I think that is absolutely wonderful. I hope you're able to do it, man. And thanks for sharing your passion for that with us, man. I appreciate that. All right. Uh, let's move on here. Uh, next one up. We got Jesse who writes, uh, The last I understood the Eternals is on shaky ground with the Chinese government. Yes, that's the last I heard too. Uh, with a possibility of it getting banned there. China is a big market. If Eternals does get banned, uh, can it still make a billion dollars without those Chinese box office dollars? Yeah, yeah, it still could. By the way, the terminology, we got to be careful with the terminology because Eternals doesn't have to get banned in China. All right. You got to remember, China only allows a small number of American films to play in China every year. There's like a small quota, there's a quota they have, right? So China doesn't have to ban Eternals. Most movies. Most Hollywood movies do not play in China. They Again, they only have a certain number of, of American films that are allowed to play or foreign films that are allowed to play there every year. And I think, I think it's 15 or... So, I, I I don't know the exact number, right? I don't know the exact number. Um, So it could be smaller, could be much larger. I, I don't know. But there is a limited number of films that they do. So a lot of Hollywood films never get to play in China. It doesn't mean they were banned in China. It just means they didn't get one of those spots. And yeah, it is looking like Eternals with Chloe Zhao, the the Chinese director, and the comments she's made. It looks like maybe the Chinese government won't give one of those spots to Eternals. I mean, maybe they will, but they might not. They might give it to another film. It doesn't mean they banned it, but it just means it didn't get the spot. Regardless, the point of your question isn't really that. It's about if it doesn't play in China, can it still make a billion dollars? The answer to that question is yes. Yes not that it will make a billion dollars but it can it can it would be very very tough i mean look let's be honest right now today any film with or without china making a billion dollars at the box office it's it's a tall feat right now so without china it makes the job even harder but could it yes i believe it could not that it will but I believe it could, but you're all right. It's going to make the job a little bit harder, uh, Jesse, it will. All right, anyway, next up. Um, let's see, Mr. Intellectual Rights. Sir John, uh, you do realize that this we got this covered representation and those Reddit users wanted this attention from you. Uh, As it is a small world, I understand that they want YouTube portals as yours to make a big deal. Don't. But, sir, you realize that in study of the business affairs of Warner Brothers, there is a good authority stating that there was, in fact, a mole sabotaging productions from the beginning of the DCEU. How can uh, one not put two and two together? This adds tremendous credence Uh, to issues Snyder was voicing. Anyway, first of all, um, I normally avoid BS stories that go around. However, when members of my audience in large numbers start writing into me about those things, then I feel that I do need to do a topic on it to not discredit it, but to give the appropriate precautions on the believability of the story, right? So like nine out of 10 BS stories that start floating around online that come from places like We Got This Covered or others, we just ignore. But once in a while, one of them unfortunately will get traction and the word starts to spread. And then I get a lot of my audience writing into me about it. At that point, I feel it's important to do a story of it, not with the intention of discrediting the story, but to make sure the appropriate precautions on the believability of the story are given to make sure those are introduced into the conversation. And once in a while, a story like that pops up that gets traction. And I feel we need to do that. Um, again, here's the thing you mentioned, you know, it's not hard to put two and two together. Every conspiracy theorist makes that same argument. You know, there was a stick on the ground over there and there was a bank robbery in Peru last week. It ain't hard to put two and two together. I'm just saying that is a very, very, that is a very, very common uh phrase and terminology that conspiracy theorists often use. Well, I'm just putting two and two together. No, you're putting a made up two and a make believe two together and trying to say it's a definitive four. That's not quite how it works. Now again, I'm not I'm not discrediting that. I'm just saying the the terminology and the phrase two equal, you know, 2 plus 2, it's not hard to, you know, 1 plus 1 is not It's just terminology I hear from a lot of people a lot of times when talking about wild, wild, wild conspiracy theories. And again, I'm not saying, I'm not discrediting what you're saying. Let's be very, very clear about that. I'm just saying that that's not an argument. That's all I'm saying is that that in and of itself is not an argument. Anyway, thanks for sending that in, man. All right, next up. Um, Let's see. Anonymous writes, John, just curious. Have you played any of the Legend of Zelda games? I have. Yes, I have. Uh, I haven't played like a lot of the modern ones. Actually, the last time I actually played a Zelda game was I played a little bit of Breath of the Wild. And you know what? It was. I think it was at Jeremy Johns' house. I think I was over at Jeremy Johns' house, and he was playing Zelda Breath of the Wild. And I think I played a little bit of it, and that's the last time I played Now, I played a lot of the old, old-school Zelda um, as a kid, but I haven't played a lot of the modern incarnations of them. So, you know, it's. F- I still don't know why... There is such a mythology behind Zelda. I'm actually surprised no one's tried to make a movie out of that. I'm not saying they should make a movie out of it. I'm just saying I have... I'm surprised I haven't tried. Because there's such a huge, huge mythology. It's a well-known... It's a, Link is a beloved character for a lot of people. But, you know, Nintendo is still very bruised over the beating they took over their Super Mario movie. But I'm still surprised... Uh, I'm still surprised that we haven't seen that. We haven't seen something else now. We haven't seen like a movie iteration of that. I- I'm still a little bit surprised. Anyway, thanks for writing that in, man. All right. And Anonymous also writes, clearly you've lived in the California Hollywood bubble for too long. John, uh, Tom is lucky that nobody is suing him for employee abuse yet. Oh, that's bullshit. No, no, listen. And I, I say this as somebody who's worked in law. That's nonsense. That's nonsense. There is nothing illegal about yelling at a fool who did something to put your career and the health of your other employees at risk. Get out of here with this little precious princess nonsense. This little, we're all little precious princesses and we need to be treated as the delicate, precious little flowers that we are. Never say something mean to me. Grow up. This is the real world. And if you're an employee at a big company, And you do something that puts the health, lives, income, and careers at risk of the people that work around you. And your boss yells at you, sack up, princess, and take the being yelled at because you deserve it. And you should be yelled at. If I'm somebody on that set and I found out some asshole was putting my life at risk and putting my health at risk and putting my career and my income at risk, I would be pissed off if my boss didn't yell at those fools. Think about that. Like, if somebody at your workplace does something that puts your health and your income at risk, and you found out your boss didn't even yell at them for that, I'd be pissed. And again, um... Consequences for your stupid ass actions is not abuse. There is abuse. Don't get me wrong. There are employers who abuse their employees. Absolutely. As somebody who worked in law and have had to look at a few cases like that, absolutely that. I'm not pretending that it doesn't. But Tom Cruise found a couple of guys who was putting their entire production at risk, who was putting the health of their fellow workers at risk and who were multiple offenders of breaking their protocols. Multiple times these same guys were caught breaking those protocols. Did Tom Cruise fire them and take away their income? No, he didn't fire them. Did Tom Cruise blacklist them so other producers would never work with them again? Nope, he didn't do that. But what he did do, when he found guys that was putting his hundreds of millions of dollars of production at risk and putting their fellow workers at risk, he yelled at them for doing it. And told them, if you do this again, you're out. And you know what? I find nothing wrong with that. I am so disillusioned. Maybe it's the Italian in me. I am so disillusioned by by this new generation of pansy little fragile princesses who are like, you shouldn't yell at me. I'm sorry. If you do something really stupid and wrong that you put other people at risk, you should get yelled at. Not abused, but you should get yelled at. Absolutely. Absolutely. I believe there should be consequences for stupid behavior. Reasonable consequences, yes. But Tom Cruise didn't blacklist them. He didn't fire them. He didn't take their income away. He didn't suspend them. He didn't do all these things. What he did was he yelled at them. And he should be yelled at. And again, if I was one of those other employees and I found out these other assholes put my my income at risk and put my health at risk because they kept breaking rules that are easy to follow, I would want to know my boss yelled at them. I would want to know that my boss was holding other people accountable. But that's just me. But I know we live in an age today where everybody's a fragile little flower and everybody thinks they should be the center of the universe and all that kind of stuff. But I, I just don't see it. I don't, I don't see it. I don't agree with it. But that's kind of my take. And no, as somebody in law, no, just for being yelled at for breaking the rules, that is in no way employee abuse. There is real employee abuse. And I think you belittle and you marginalize real employee abuse that happens and needs to be dealt with when you call things like a boss yelling at an employee for multiple times breaking rules and putting other people at risk. By you calling that employee abuse, you are diminishing what actual real employee abuse is. And I think you put other people in harm's way. So anyway, that's just my take on it. Look, I'm a movie guy. I like talking about movies. What do I know? But you're asking me my opinion, which isn't more valuable than anybody else's opinion. But uh, So I'm going to give you my opinion. Stop being a fragile little princess. Anyway, that's just me. Uh, all right, next up. Uh, Mark A writes, hey, John and Rob. Um, Warner Brothers just released a trailer for a new sci-fi thriller starring Hugh Jackman called Reminiscence. Uh, I think it looks great. Do you have a chance to see it? If so, what do you think? Yeah, somebody else wrote in about that a little bit earlier. Listen, I'm a huge, like I said earlier, I'm a huge Hugh Jackman fan. Um, I The trailer just didn't did it, do it for me, though. I didn't actually think it was a very good trailer. Now, that's not to say I'm not interested in the movie. When I read the synopsis of the movie, I'm like, okay, that sounds interesting. But again, Remember, we always say that the job of a trailer is to take your anticipation level of a movie, no matter if it's high or low or somewhere in between, and bump it up a couple of notches. This trailer did not increase my interest in the movie. Now, again, it's just a first trailer, um, and it's got Hugh Jackman, so I'm interested. It looks like a Christopher Nolan film, even though it's not. So, uh, like Rob said earlier, I'm definitely going to see it, but I'd be lying if I said I was. I thought it was a great trailer that I was really excited about it. I'm not there yet, but I'll look forward to trailer number two. All right, next up. Uh, Wiley Todd writes, uh, one of four. Hey, John, people often talk about underrated movies, but often say movies that don't really qualify for that title. I agree. We do that a lot. I think I do that, too. You do that. I think many of us do that. Uh, But a movie I think does qualify is Inside Llewyn Davis, 2013. It's also one of my favorite movies of all time. It's got Oscar Isaac in it. Uh, That being said, it has amazing performances and great music. Some of the standouts from the movie, in my opinion, are Carey Mulligan, who's always great, uh, Garrett Hedlund, who I believe was in Tron, uh, Stark Sands, and best performance in social network Justin Timberlake. Uh, But Oscar Isaac's performance is just amazing, and especially going to another level to sing songs in the movie. This soundtrack is something I listen to all the time. And even the the song Death of Queen, J- Death of Queen Jane, becoming one of my all time favorite songs. Uh, John, please tell me your thoughts on the film. And I encourage the audience to check out this amazing film. It's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Inside Lewin Davis. I've been talking about this movie ever since the AMC days. I still remember very specifically uh, the first time we talked about this movie and even who was on the show with me. And it really was for a lot of people, the introduction to Oscar Isaacs who is phenomenal in it, like just phenomenal. And it really put him on the map, I think, for the entire industry. I mean, quite frankly, it's why he got the Star Wars gig, was Inside Llewyn Davis. Would I call it an underrated movie? See, I don't know that I would call it underrated because I have personally, and this is just my own experience, I have never talked to anybody Um. I have never talked to anybody that has seen the movie that didn't really like it. Not everybody loved the brains out of it, but at least really, I have never talked to anybody that has seen that movie that didn't at least really, really like it. So I don't know that even that now, is it an underappreciated film in the sense that not enough people went to go see it and it didn't get the attention it deserved? Absolutely. Absolutely. See, when I think of an underrated film, I think of a film that many people didn't didn't like. To me, that means, and if I really like it, then to me, that movie's kind of underrated. I think um, Armageddon is underrated. I know a lot of people hate that movie, but I think it's an underrated kind of treasure of a little action film. Um, But that's the whole thing. I think when you say an underrated movie, it's got to be a movie that there's a good chunk of people that didn't like it. And everybody I know who has seen Inside Lewin Davis, they all really liked it. So I think I would more qualify that one as a, uh, I would qualify that one as a, um, um, underappreciated movie more than an underrated movie. But now that's just semantics. That's just semantics. It's however you want to define it. Anyway, thanks for writing that. I didn't want to it. And yes, that is a movie that does deserve more attention. It really does. And if you are a fan of Oscar Isaacs, but never seen it, you should go back and watch that one. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Min Tran writes, one of two uh the cabbage man is a recurring background character in the last airbender yeah i thought so a universe whose cabbage cart keeps getting destroyed by cast where he exclaims my cabbages uh in in korra it was revealed that he became the founder uh the founder business a large corporation that's i didn't realize that uh mr said out bitch mr said out bitch the robber that has been reappearing at the start of every season since season 2 uh, and have and have a part of the season finale. So again, bravo to Mr. Setout Bitch for being the cabbage man of the Lucifer show. I, You know, I've seen every bit of Lucifer. And I don't recall him. I, it's the same guy. I don't recall him. I'll have to go back. If that's true, I'll have to go back and take a look. Because I have never, ever noticed that, Min. So you may have just given me something new to look for in Lucifer that I had never noticed before. So I'll have to go back and check that out. Thank you for letting me know about that, dude. All right. Uh, let's see. Next up, Jack Lumbers writes, uh, and this will be our last question of the day, guys. Jack Lumbers writes, in the Arrowverse, John Cryer plays Lex Luthor. Yes. I kind of feel probably more of a wish that Superman and Lois is trying to distance itself from Supergirl. I totally feel that. Uh, for Superman and Lois, do see them using Cryer, uh, recast, reboot the character, or just skip the character. I mean, it's hard to say right now. I, I, <sighs> I really don't know where what their overall plan is for the Superman and Lois show. Up until this point, and again, I am just talking from a fan's perspective. I don't have any insider information on what's going on with Superman and Lois, so there's that. Okay, so keep that in mind. Up until this point, it does completely feel to me, feel to me, like they are trying to keep themselves separated from the rest of the CW-verse. It feels like they are trying to have nothing to do with Supergirl or anything else in the Arrowverse. They have really, at least until now, it has completely felt like it's true own standalone thing. And personally, I think that is absolutely the right way for them to approach the show, if that is indeed the way they're approaching the show. So if that's the case, and they want to keep themselves separated from the Arrowverse stuff, then you can't have John Cryer in as Lex Luthor. You just can't. Because the moment you do that, it's completely tied into the Arrowverse again. And again, maybe that's what they want to do. I don't know. I'm just saying right now, it kind of feels like they're trying to stay separate, and you can't stay separate if you bring in John Cryer as Lex Luthor. Can't keep it separate anymore. So... My guess, and this is strictly a pull-it-out-of-your-ass hypothetical guess that could be disproven next week, but my guess is that we will just not see Lex Luthor in this show. Instead of bringing in a different Lex Luthor with a different actor, I, I don't think they'll do that either. So my guess is we won't see Lex Luthor. Maybe he'll be referenced from time to time like he has been already, but I don't think we'll soon. Again, I have no idea. Don't take that as gospel truth. I am just like you as a fan making a speculative guess. So that's my guess right now, but we'll see how they go. And I am going to go watch that newest episode of Superman and Lois today because I've been behind. I've been busy with some other TV, so I'm going to go watch that today. All right, guys, listen. We are more questions to come from Jay Wince, Wiley Todd, Preston the Kryptonian, and others. Me and Kimberly Curran are going to be doing a companion video a little bit later today. And we will get through all, if not most, of all the questions still remaining. We will get through them. If you sent in a question today and you didn't see it pop up yet, watch our companion video later and you should see it answered there. But for now, guys, that'll do it. For today's installment of The John Campia Show, thank you guys so much for making this show part of your day. Uh, thanks to Robert Meyer Burnett for bringing his glory and goodness to it. All of you guys for joining us here today. And a special thank you to all of you guys Who sent in those live comments and questions? Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about, whether it's things we agree about or not. It's great having the conversation. So thank you guys for that because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved here at the John Campus Show, thank you guys very, very much for that support. Okay, guys, don't forget to join us again tomorrow for when Rob returns tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow's Tuesday. Rob returns tomorrow as well for the next episode of the John Campia Show. And for don't forget to do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me for now, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.